0: I know I've already introed the service, and uh, I know Pastor Abrahamson has been telling you why we're doing this Epiphany series, but I do feel compelled to remind us all uh, specifically about what this series is, and that is to see the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ in various aspects of his earthly ministry. And part of uh, this series was intended to see it in some of the things we normally would expect, like miracles. But then part of this series is also to see it in places we might not have ever looked like judgment. And I know that can immediately be somewhat confusing because normally, at least in many people's minds, judgment often comes across in a very negative way. But I think maybe that's a mistake and hopefully one we can correct this morning. The reason why I want to spend some time delicately easing into this lesson is because it's not about the typical themes of judgment we might ordinarily think. It's not about any one of the passages where Jesus is teaching throughout his earthly ministry um, warning against improperly judging, and that was a real problem with uh, the religion and the church of his day. They were going around judging people uh, totally out of bounds, so to speak, which leads into the other thing. It's not about the other passages that talk about proper judging, because there are times in our lives as Christians where God does call upon us to render a Christian decision about something being right or wrong. But the point of those lessons is it's not a judgment based on our flawed human standards. It's a judgment based purely on God's perfect standards. If you're more interested in those topics, what I'd like to do is suggest, uh, it happens to be one of the topics that we've covered in our small group lessons this year. So if you're part of the small groups, you've already seen this. If you're not and you want to study more deeply about those forms of judging, on the bottom row out in the lobby under the mailboxes, there's these lesson plans for our small group. Uh, Lesson 4 happens to be on this very subject of judging. So I would ask you to make make yourself available to those, and if you go through it and have more questions, just email me. I'll be glad to answer those questions, because those are important topics. It's just not our topic today. I also wanna just be honest about the fact that there's gonna be parts of this lesson today where your uh, human nature is gonna wanna stick your fingers in your ears. Um, Not because Pastor's so out of his mind that he's preaching wrong, or hopefully not, but there are things that we're gonna study today that brush up against our sensibilities as Christians. And if I'm honest about it, I think a lot of times we Christians put ourselves into a bit of a bubble, uh, a comfort zone, if you will. Um, And I think maybe that's part of Uh, some of those other subjects on judging, it's easy oftentimes to know what God says, to do your best to practice it, and then to walk around finding fault with those who don't. And unfortunately what we often fail to realize is that none of us is perfect except through the blood of Christ. Uh, And that's one of the beautiful things I hope we see is that's a focal point of today's lesson on judgment. Let, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I'm going to use a clip today that I don't know under other circumstances I would probably use. It has nothing to do with the Bible per se. It's a beer commercial. And I'm not trying to pitch Heineken to you, because I'm not a Heineken man, um, but you're going to wonder why on earth is this guy using a beer commercial as part of a sermon. Um, and it's not to sell more beer. Um, uh, in fact, I pray you will not judge me too harshly because last week's lesson was, oops, I skipped ahead, Jesus changing water into wine, and I don't think any one of us thought that he did that to promote social drinking or excessive drinking. Um, there's something about that video. Th- there's also something else in the video, too, um, and I want to go back to that. Uh, this is some of the closing scenes of the video, and this commercial, while I was trying to sell you beer, says, you need to open your mind so you can open the world. And again, I'm gonna ask that you not judge me too harshly because I know part of what's behind that message. And I'm not suggesting that I'm gonna use that clip in any way, shape, or form to promote the, the attitude of our culture that anything goes. And I'm sure you've heard it, I'm sure you've brushed up against it, but a lot of the world thinks you should be able to do whatever you want as long as you're not hurting somebody else. That's not the point of the clip why I'm going to share it with you, and I'll warn you again when we get to that point, is there's a technique practiced within this commercial that I think Christians would do well to not only observe, but implement into our lives. And I believe by doing so, we would not only avoid times when we're improperly judging others, but it would actually open us up to see more of glory of God in proper forms of judgment. One of the reasons why I wanted to warn you is because one of the topics covered in that is transgenderism, or at least it's implied. And again, I'm not promoting that, that's not the theme of today's lesson, but it just so happens it is one of the subject matters that we cover again in our small group series this year, Gender and Transgender Issues. So if you would like to dig more into that, if you would like to know what the Bible does and does not say about the gender issue and transgender issues, or if you know of somebody who's struggling with these challenges and you want to open up your Christian heart to speak to them and share God's love with them, in dare i say non-judgmental way but in a very evangelical way again i would encourage you to grab the study go through it on your own and again if there's any questions please email me i'll be more than happy to answer those questions because these are subjects that i think for too long we don't like to talk about they're uncomfortable to us but let's be honest there's an entire world out there that still need to hear about god's love and many of them are outside our circles And comfort zone, and that is part of what I'm talking about today. Do I have you scared? At least, hopefully, I've got your attention piqued. All right, here's the reason why I'm going to say this is going to be uncomfortable, and part of us are going to want to stick our fingers in our ears. Because at one time in our lives or another, every single one of us has been guilty of failing to see the glory of God in judgment. Part of that has to do with the fact that many of us, if not all of us, has at one time or another improperly judged somebody else. And that's, again, a subject matter you can do more research into. What I'd simply like to point out is oftentimes judgment has been created for no other reason than to bring glory to God, the very same reason everything else exists in this world and why everything else has been created. And if we do it improperly, not only do we do harm to ourselves, failing to see God's glory, but we can do harm to others. Here's my example of that. Imagine if after church today, you walked out to the parking lot to get into your car and you saw this note. You should be ashamed. How can you say you're a Christian and be so unchristian? You give us a bad name. People like you shouldn't be allowed to exist. Yes, that is a real note. Yes, that was left on somebody's windshield in a church parking lot. No. It was not an Abiding Shepherd. I came across this in one of my religious articles that I like to follow, and unfortunately, there's this commentary that came along with this note. Went to visit some church down the street for the first time. It was okay. Came out to find this note randomly tucked on my windshield. I assume they meant it for someone else because no one there knew me at all, and it doesn't really make sense applied to me. Still, it hurt. At least it made giving up on church easy. I hope I have made the point that judgment was created to bring glory to God not to ourselves and that improperly judging or failing to see that glory within judgment does do harm to us and does do harm to others but worst of all it fails to give God the glory which he so richly deserves. That's where this lesson is headed this morning and I need to work very hard to make sure that we see this and see it properly and so what I'd like to do is this is the verse of our study today and I'll explain the red letters later but I want to put it within its context that's why we started with the gospel lesson that's the beginning of the context for this lesson. Jesus then sends out those 72, and in between that sending and our lesson, there's this section where Jesus says that, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Woe to you, Capernaum. He's passing judgment, condemnation, on cities that he visited during his public ministry. We're towards the tail end of that ministry, and he's been there. He shared God's truth with them, and the bulk of the people within those cities has rejected that truth. Now that doesn't mean that the Lord's heart isn't open and that he doesn't want them to still hear about God's plan of salvation. There was a reason he was sending these 72 out. But there does come a time when people reject hearing that truth and refuse to believe it. And ultimately, even in the moment of condemnation, when God passes that judgment, it is for his glory after those intervening verses then we have our lesson but i'd like to put it into the larger context both what comes before and what comes after uh, this lesson about jesus and judgment
1: the 72 returned with joy and said lord even the demons submit to us in your name He replied, I saw Satan fall like a lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it.
0: All right now appreciating this larger context we can jump into our lesson and it's always a pet peeve of mine to start out a study with somewhat generic phrases at that time I like to really pinpoint where we're at in our context and so what Luke is doing is he's taking us back to the return of those 72 messengers that Jesus had sent out, and not only is it giving us the time frame, but it's giving us the context of the mindset. These 72 men come back rejoicing, giving thanks and praise to God for the things that Jesus had given them the ability and power to do. And of course, that's a long list of some pretty outstanding works, many of them miraculous, What it does also is to direct us to Jesus himself and how he reacts both to the return of these 72 as well as to their joyous reaction. And that's where these red letters come into play because it doesn't really properly reflect this translation where we're at. Um, This is one of those areas that's known as a variant. So when they were copying down the original manuscripts, one copyist would have had it spot on correctly, another copyist would have made a small mistake. They never change the essence of the doctrines of God's word, but sometimes, even in a minor way, they can change the flavor of what's being said. The original manuscript, the majority of them, don't have the preposition as through, it's in. And the majority of those documents do not have the word holy. So whereas this translation wants us to think it was the Holy Spirit moving Jesus to feel this way, the majority of manuscripts actually are teaching us that it was the man, Jesus, in his human nature that has this very human reaction to the return of the 72, these men he cared very much about, and to the success and blessings of the mission that they just accomplished. This might seem like a minor point. You might go, well, so what? It's not that big of a deal, except for the fact that there's a direct application here. We've been seeing the glory of Jesus mostly in his divine nature, and it's a beautiful thing when the Holy Spirit says, just wait a minute, you should also see the glory of the Son of God in his human nature. And how Jesus reacts, there's a direct application to how God opens up for us to see his glory and also react in this joyous way like our Savior did. Well, we're not in the context of those 72 men returning, we don't get to hear firsthand their accounts of the things that they were able to do. And yet there's something here for which God says, I'm going to offer you the opportunity to give thanks and praise because you get to see... My glory, And that's the other thing to which Jesus is making reference. You heard in the video where Jesus makes reference to these things. And what you go back to is the antecedent where he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then there's all these subsequent things that happen as a result of Satan's fall. Unfortunately, this is one of those areas that many people have often misinterpreted because there is a passage in Isaiah chapter 14 that records reflections on the original fall of one of these powerful created angels falling out of God's grace because of his rebellion and ultimately he is the one that we identify as the devil or Satan. And because the words are so familiar or similar to what Isaiah writes, A lot of people think Jesus is talking about the original fall of the devil. The problem is is, is it doesn't work out logically as well as, if you want to say grammatically, the point is Satan's original fall did not give anyone power to do these things. If anything, Satan's original fall has clouded our eyes from seeing the glory of God when it is just so obvious But now sin and in many of his temptations keep us from appreciating those reflections of glory. So hopefully you're asking yourself, okay, then what is Jesus talking about? If it wasn't the original fall, then what is he so happy about? Why is he giving praise to God? And the simple answer is it's because of God's judgment. And that's where we don't look back from the time of Christ, but we look ahead And that's what takes us into our epistle lesson that the Apostle John wrote. And again, the words are very similar, but we have to understand specifically what he's talking about. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before God day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now that makes sense. The followers of Christ are able to do amazing things when he gives them the authority and power to do so, not because of Satan's fall, originally, but because of Satan's fall at the cross. At the cross of Jesus Christ, God the Father exacted judgment and declared justice that for all sins ever committed, for every evil ever done, here's the gift of perfect blood, which not only covers your sins, but gives us power over the devil. And I want you to note this. How do we have that power? I can't cast out demons, I can't heal the sick, but I do have something powerful that puts the devil at bay. And Jesus says through John, by the word of their testimony. That's how you and I have been given God's grace to send the devil running out of our lives and hopefully to point him out to others and why they need to have him run out of their lives as well you see what Jesus has done here even in his human nature He says, just stop for a moment I want you to see the glory of God the Father it begins at the cross and it extends through your life but that's not the full message because Jesus goes on when he talks about these things he goes on to say you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children this is another form of judgment for which Jesus is giving praise to God the Father. And let's just talk about some of the words. The wise and the learned. That's where we get our English word sophisticated. The skilled, the experts, the intellectuals, those who think they know what God's about. But when you take a look at what they're saying, and what they're doing, it's obvious they don't. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have revealed these things. My victory over Satan and Christians victory over Satan. I thank you for revealing these things, not the experts in your word but to little children i don't know if you read that literally it means the non-talkers think of a little child before they can actually form words and sentences and it can literally mean children or it can figuratively refer to those who are still very much immature in their faith or even not mentally with it as much as you might think is necessary in order to understand the word of god He's praising God that the message of salvation isn't brought to us through our minds, but rather through our hearts. And that's where the battle is fought and won, especially in regards to judgment. Of course, Jesus is making reference to the experts in the law, the Pharisees, the scribes of his day. He says, I thank you that salvation is not coming through these people. They think they know what Messiah is about, but it's clear they have no clue whatsoever. They've taken a beautiful promise of yours, Father, and have changed it into a human way of trying to rescue themselves. I thank you that's not how salvation works. Instead, I praise you, Father, that you have revealed it to the littlest of children. And though they haven't worked out all the details in their minds, still in their hearts, they know and they trust That when you say their sins are forgiven because your son has paid for them, then that's how it works. Thank you, Father. It is a show of your glory. Because nobody else could come up with a plan that is that simple and yet that beautiful. Now, this is going to be that moment where you're going to want to stick your fingers in your ears because we're going to have to address this from a very personal perspective. Because the reality is, I hope one of the end results of this is that you see more of God's glory and action in your day-to-day lives. You're given pause for a moment to just stop and say, thank you, God, for accomplishing these things. That you might even see and witness those moments when the powerful word of God drives the devil out of your life, not just by avoiding a temptation, but because you can proactively speak about the glory of God. You're not going to want to hear this part because the truth is at one time or another all of us have improperly used God's gift of judgment or at least failed to see that even in moments of condemnation God can be glorified if we understand properly how God is discerning between right and wrong and that's not what saves us but that's our lives now that we've been saved. Remember the note? Imagine if you were the person who misguidedly had left that on somebody's windshield out in the parking lot or worse yet Left it on the wrong windshield Not only would you have done damage to the visitor at our worship that, that at worship service that day But think of the harm that you would have done to yourself God gift wraps a moment of possible glory and because of the devil's temptations we walk away thinking somehow we have the right or authority to condemn somebody. You should not even exist. That's a judgment only God himself can make, not us. Now here's something I want to make sure that we saw in the gospel lesson because I think it's oftentimes overlooked. We read this section and because it's usually used for mission festival sermons or some of the hymns in the old hymn books, Uh, talk about this in such a way, we think it's referring to pastors and teachers and other church workers. It is not. You know, we never are told the names of these 72 guys. We don't know if they ever held any official church position. When you hear this section, always think of God's messengers as being you and me, whether officially or unofficially. And I don't know if you notice what Jesus does, but he says, I want you all to pray for workers. And then in the very next breath, he says, go. I want you to pray for messengers of God's truth. And then he basically says, I want you to understand that you are the answer to that prayer. You see, it isn't just pastors and teachers who are supposed to be out and about showing the glory of God and sharing the love of Christ. That's a mission for all of us. And whether you want to put it into fancy words like evangelism or outreach or whatever, it is simply us sharing the truth. The reason that picture is on the front of your worship folder is God has enabled each of us, given us the authority, the right, to pull back the veil for somebody else so that they can see. Unfortunately, The devil in the way he works oftentimes gets us confused about judgment. Oftentimes, I'm gonna be the first one to admit to you, at least this is the way I was raised up, oftentimes what the church teaches you is the first thing you ought to do is go around and start judging people and then if they measure up then you can share the gospel with them. That is not only backwards, that's sinful. Who of us has the right to say whether somebody is good enough to hear the truth? You see what we've been taught throughout our lives, our Christian lives, is oftentimes we have the place of God to make these judgments when only he does. And so not only do we deprive him of his glory, but in many ways we've harmed ourselves because we've lost that moment of sheer joy like our Savior when all we can do is go thank God. It happens when you have the opportunity to share the truth with somebody that you might never expect would possibly believe it. What I'm going to show you now is that beer commercial. Again, I'm not trying to sell you beer. Well, clear or not? It's not about social drinking, and I'm not trying to do the cultural, do whatever you want. Why I'm showing you this, and I want to do it in the context of Jesus and the adulterous woman, without either condemning nor condoning the lives of these people, There is a technique, there is an aspect here I think we Christians would do quite well to follow. And if people in the world can figure this out, if a beer company can figure this out, then maybe we can too.
2: I would describe my political views as the new right. I'd say that I'm left. Feminism today is man-hating. I would describe myself as a feminist, hundred percent. I don't believe that climate change exists. We're not taking enough action on climate change. I think it's about time these people got off their high horse and started looking for credible problems that actually exist. It's absolutely critical that trans people have their own voice. That's not right. You can't... You know, you're, you're a man, be a man, or you're a female, be a female. <laughs> Women do need to remember that we need you to have our children. Could I be friends with someone that says a woman's place is in the home? Um. Right, OK, well, I'm an expert at flat packs. If you have any trouble, just watch me. So it looks like I've got your instructions here. I think so. Let me help you. It's not just that bit there. (laughs) Describe what it is like to be you in five adjectives. Okay. Frustrating. Dedicated. Opinionated. Lucky. Ambitious. Offensive. Solemn. I have ups and downs. Strong. I don't want to say attacked. Misunderstood. Name three things you and I have in common. We're both male, we're both confident, and we're both loudly spoken. We know each other better than people who've known each other for ten minutes should. You seem quite ambitious and positive, and you've got this really, um, got a glow. Do you <laughs> know what I'm saying? Your aura's pretty cool. I'm sensing, are you from uh, former military or something? People have said that, but there is no really? there is no history. So are you, then, ex, ex-military? ex um, Yeah. If you're ex-military, I'm very proud of you already. Well... So... <laughs> I grew up... Uh, in a bit of a rough state. I've experienced homelessness. I've known what it's like to have absolutely nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely most grateful, just, just for life. We've only just met, but I think you're the sort of person that would listen to me and we'd have a discussion rather than, argument. Oh, yeah, you could hang out with man. <laughs> Let's go. My chance. Goodness sake. You're right, mate. Fitter than a look. Perfect though. Oh, yeah. There you go. basically, I think we just bought a bar. Yeah. Okay. Here you are. (laughs) Each take a bottle and place it on its corresponding markings on the bar. Attention. Please now stand to watch a short film. Feminism today is definitely an excuse for misandry, man-hating. If somebody said to me that climate change is destroying the world, then I'd say that is total piffle. So, transgender, it is very odd. We're not set up to understand or see things like that. I am a daughter, a wife. I am transgender. I feel like the battle for feminism definitely isn't done. The fight is never going to be over, if I'm honest with
1: you. You now have a choice. You may go, or you can stay and discuss your differences over a beer.
2: I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> You're happy for a second, then? Well, I'm having a drink. I'm having a drink. Yeah, I want a Beer. Yeah, beer and discuss. Cheers. At the end of the day, mate, about reaching out to people. With people with you, yeah. And you know, even if you wanted to convince people about your point, the productive thing to do would be to sit so down engage, and beer. Engage. Engage. I've been brought up in a way where everything's black and white, but life isn't black and white. Yeah, I'm, I'm just me. <laughs> yeah. Smash the patriarchy. <laughs> I'll give you my mobile number, you give me yours, Uh and we'll keep in touch. I'd have to tell my girlfriend that I'll be texting another girl.
0: So what on earth would possess me to use a beer commercial? Besides the fact that I don't think any ELS pastor has ever done that before. It's a valid point. Again, I'm not either saying what people think or said on here is right or wrong. That's beside the point. There is a time have the hard conversations. There is a time when we care enough about somebody to show them what God's design is, what God's will is for our lives, but I think for most of us, we've been taught that's the first words out of our mouth, and we never get to have the actual conversation to show people the glory of God and what He's done in order to rescue us. That's where this conversation begins. I don't know if you know this or not when Jesus chose those 72 to send them out he know the people to whom he was sending them the sinners the people who didn't measure up to the standards of the day's religion the people who were living in sin and didn't wanna leave it behind people very much like you and I I think maybe what we should recognize is that oftentimes the devil can still succeed in the smallest of ways when he takes whatever he can to divide us and actually keep us from talking and from sharing the love of Christ. And and I get it. I have my own baggage and biases, things I've had to work through and work past over the years, even as a pastor and as a pastor's son. But the reality is souls are far too precious for us to not figure out a way to sit down and have this discussion maybe it is going over and helping your neighbor build a bar and maybe it's something else but it's the opportunity to actually talk about the blood of Christ and the glory that that brings into our lives I want you to understand something extremely important here there's two ways the Lord says the devil is overcome one is by the judgment that took place at the cross. The most powerful act mankind has ever witnessed. The second is our testimony. And so it behooves us to make sure it is a godly testimony, a God-pleasing testimony and not simply a judgment that your life doesn't measure up to my standard when in fact none of our lives measure up to God's standards. The devil has been pretty good about getting us from having these kinds of simple conversations, and I think over the last couple of years, it's only gotten worse. And notice what the man, Jesus, says, and this is a glorious moment. He says, yes, Father. That's a word that says, I mean this. He says, I care right now more about your glory, and that means I'm going to leave this final judgment and any condemnation, Father, up to you. But while I'm here working on earth... My mission as Messiah is to make sure people understand why I came. My mission, while there is still time, is to send these messengers out so that they understand a day of judgment is coming. But there is a way to hear God's words of, well done, good and faithful servant, as opposed to depart from me. I never knew you. Who do you know? What coworkers do you have? What neighbors surround you that you probably know absolutely nothing about? And maybe you never will. Maybe those aren't your mission field, but maybe they are. What people have you heard something about or has somebody said something about that immediately means I'm never going to talk to that person as if we have the right to judge that they can never hear God's love from these lips. See, this is the part of this lesson that's very uncomfortable, and it's very hard not only to say but also to hear because I'm preaching to myself. I can't tell you how many times in my own ministry I was deprived of seeing the glory of God because of something within me. And it's taken the good Lord a long time to simply see. This is a lost soul that needs to know about their Savior. And so speak. You don't just pray for people to do that be the answer to that prayer and here's the amazing thing not only has God pulled the veil back for us so we've gotten to see that side of of his glory but God says if you do what I send you to do you will get to see my glory from the other side of the veil I've been privileged to do that maybe you have too I still think of a time speaking to a young woman about Jesus and what he did for us and the tears start rolling down her cheek because for the first time somebody told her that she didn't have to feel so bad about who she was because there was somebody who came to make her perfect. Do you understand now why we can see the glory in God's judgment when we properly understand God's judgment? Not only will it be a blessing to us but it will be a blessing to others as well. Who knows? You might just get to see that glimpse of glory in a bit of a different way.
3: A man was waiting at an airport for a long distance flight. His flight was delayed and so he had a little spare time. He saw a deal on some cookies and thought he should treat himself. He bought quite a few cookies because he thought it might be quite a long delay. He took a seat near a man and started to read the magazine he also picked up earlier. He exchanged a glance with the other man and then tried to avoid eye contact as he went back to reading. While he was engrossed in his magazine, he happened to see that the man sitting beside him boldly grabbed a cookie from the container. He initially ignored the incident to avoid a scene. He grabbed a cookie himself and went back to his magazine. But the man seemed to have enjoyed the cookie so much, he took another one and started eating it too. This continued for a while and with each passing moment, he began to get more and more irritated. Every time he took a cookie, so did the other man. When the last cookie was left, the man nervously took that cookie and broke it in half. He offered the other to the man and smiled. The man took the cookie and could not believe the other man's nerve. He was thinking in his head, how ungrateful could that man be? The other man then left and took the container with him. This guy couldn't believe what had just happened. He was relieved when his flight was called, he gathered his belongings. As he lifted his bag, he saw that there was a full container of cookies right there. He was totally shocked, totally surprised. It caught him off guard. He thought to himself, if my cookies are here, then wait, those cookies were his. The other man had shared his cookies whilst he was thinking he was the one doing the sharing. Whilst he was angry and irritated, the other man was being generous and kind. He felt so bad for what had happened, but he couldn't find the other man anywhere and didn't know how to apologize. Things are not always as they appear. Sometimes we make quick assumptions about people, circumstances, and situations. We judge them, Label them, and put them into a box, not recognizing that there is a much bigger picture. Sometimes we meet someone in a particular state, stage or phase of their life and stereotype them to be a certain way. Don't be so quick to judge. You never know when you might find yourself walking in someone else's shoes. And remember, the best apology is changed behavior.